do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.asade.edu. Welcome to Asade Doers, podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators. Our guest today is Adrian Stern, founder of Reveal. Adrian, thank you very much for being with us, for taking the time and for sharing your experience with the public. Yeah, hi, David. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we uh, jump into more details, can you give us a quick uh, 30 seconds pitch of what Reveal is today? Yeah, sure. So Reveal is really a platform that helps creators uh, automate a lot of their backend administrative tasks. Uh, we look at it as sort of like an SAP maybe for creators where uh, we want to automate, uh, you know, managing copyright and all the metadata uh, the different contracts that you need to sign with collaborators, but as well as uh, processing royalties and making sure that the accounting uh, behind the revenue that's generated is, uh, is automated and, and that all the creators of a specific work are paid properly. Fantastic. That's a uh, not very interesting and an extremely uh, as well growing uh, industry right now, not the whole creator economy, but um, it's as well very specific. So maybe... Let's hear a bit about, do you have any, any, any background uh, in the area? Yeah, for sure. You know, before I got interested in, in business, um, I, was a, I was a musician of a, of a Swiss reggae band uh, called Nadja Vibes. And um, we had a great run. We toured all around Europe. Um, and so by the time I had to go to college, I decided I would study business so that I could manage the band. And we started producing other artists. And then I decided to start our own uh, independent record label. And so for about six to seven years, I had a very hands-on uh, experience of what it was like to manage and run a creative business. Uh, and so I got to you know, see how hard it was and complex to understand all the different types of legal agreement that you need to sign with collaborators how to settle on copyright ownership and where to register the copyright so that everyone gets paid properly, how uh, tedious the metadata around, you know, for instance, a song is, and the fact that every collaborator needs to be referenced with specific codes. Uh, and if these codes are not in the metadata, they don't get paid properly. Um, so, you know, I sort of learned uh, that as, as I was doing, and fast forward a couple of years, I, I decided to partner with a good friend of mine from high school who was a, a software developer to, uh, to build solutions that could automate a lot of these tasks um, in a way to democratize uh, the opportunity to be more professional for, for creators. Fantastic. No, but uh, so then you said, no, you have the experience, you were in, in, in the band, then kind of took upon yourself the, 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 the management side. And then you, you said you fast forward to the moment you decided to build a software. Was it uh, you know, an idea coming more from the, I want to solve a problem I'm having or more already with an entrepreneurial mindset of, I want to build something that can become a business and maybe even sustain myself? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Um, you know, the, by the time I, I came to the realization that there was an opportunity there, was a couple of years after I had experienced it, right? Um, you know, between uh, then and that moment, 
I had worked in banking. I had done my, my MBA at Esade. Um, I had worked in innovation consulting um, and sort of uh, connected the dots of all my experiences and realized that entrepreneurship was uh, where I wanted to be. And so I started looking at my past experiences, uh, but also industry trends and technology trends and found this sort of sweet spot, uh, which is where we're operating now in the creator economy, but bringing technology to it and to solving a problem that I had uh, experienced myself. So very much a combination of that, but, um, but we do have the ambition with, with the reveal to, you know, to, to be a, a, you know, a business platform that uh, can really impact the creator economy and, uh, and uh, allow more people to be successful as they choose to become professional creators. Fantastic. And so, how does Reveal then uh, work uh, as of today? No? What's the, uh, let's say, the, the, the journey for, for a creator point of view? Yeah, so we've been live now for, for three months. Um, and we have, you know, hundreds of, of creators using the platform. And what they're really doing is they're taking care of sort of these business uh, backend tasks, right? So they're inviting their collaborators uh, in order to credit them and to settle on, on copyright ownership, to establish those splits uh, with their co-writers and with their producers and with potential session musicians, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, the, the platform allows them to save a lot of time in doing these administrative tasks and to uh, make sure that uh, all the, you know, I's are dotted and the T's are crossed yeah. uh, before a song is released, uh, which allows them to actually get paid more. And what we're realizing is that creators who use our platform are becoming aware of new revenue streams that they weren't necessarily aware of. And, uh, and how, you know, on average are finding 20% more royalties than they would have, um, you know, collected had they not been using the platform. Um, so, so there's really uh, two benefits currently uh, to, to users, which is one, they're saving a lot of time on these tedious administrative tasks. And two, they're actually able to, to collect more money because they're doing the work, uh, that administrative work properly. Okay. And you mentioned royalties. So are you specifically targeting musicians and, and video makers or are you also embracing the, the broader kind of now online creator community? Well, this is where I get really excited because we have started in the music industry, but um, we're seeing that uh, Reveal has a lot of potential uh, in other forms of media. Um, so there are two, really two angles to this. In the traditional world, you know, sort of web two world, if you will, um, we are already seeing that our users are coming to us and saying, well, you know what, I'm working on a music video and I'd like to uh, use reveals to capture the credits for the music video or, you know, register the rights for it, et cetera. Um, so the potential to, to branch into new forms of media with our existing platform. And then the second opportunity is really in the web three world, right? And sort of the crypto uh, enabled um, creator economy, if you will. And here, what we're seeing is a lot of uh, users and, and creators are coming to us and saying, look, I'm, we're releasing uh, you know, art in the form of NFTs, whether it's visual or audio. Um, and we have no real tool to create splits with our collaborators. 
uh, and to track these royalties and automate them to make sure that all our collaborators are getting uh, paid their, their fair share. And so this is really uh, you know, a, a new space that we're looking at and uh, that we're starting to, to, uh, to work on. Um, so in the next you know, sort of weeks, potentially a month or so, uh, we'll be announcing a, a, an interesting partnership with a, a really big artist around uh, processing the royalties for her NFT release. Um, okay. and, and that I think is, is a fantastic space to, to be exploring in because uh, in the Web3 environment, uh, there are many fewer um, middlemen. And, uh, and that means that creators are getting, uh, you know, a much higher percentage of the revenue that they generate. Uh, and so we're, we're obviously excited in being able to facilitate that. Fantastic. And it's as well, no, um, booming now sector overall and the, and the interest and what, what's happening with NFTs in general, but specifically to the, to the creator economy, it's massive. So it's, it is massive. You know, I think in, in 2020, there were maybe a hundred, a, a couple hundred million dollars that had been traded in NFTs. In 2021, we're already at around $27 billion. And, uh, and the projection for, you know, five years down the road is that we'll be past half a trillion dollars in, in uh, you know, in NFT, uh, uh, well, in currency traded through NFTs, basically. Um, so the, the, the potential there for, for creators is, is really huge. It is, no? And I think as well, the, 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 by talking to other people in the, going back a step, uh, talking to other people in more the, the, the music industry or in general, this, this idea of kind of uh, giving a fairer share of the, uh, of the royalties to artists, uh, it's, it's a problem that's been there for, for quite some time, no? And I've seen multiple entrepreneurs attempt to resolve it, but uh, many actually failed. So what makes you different or, or what have you learned as well along the way? Yeah, that's, it's a great question. You know, um, this is a real problem. And there have been many reports that have shown that, you know, artists, who artists who are successful and are able to have a whole team around them to do the work properly, right? Have a manager, a lawyer, an agent, a label, a publisher, all these people around them who help them run their business. Well, these artists are left with on average 12% of the revenue that they generate through their art, their art right? Uh, and that's because there are so many middlemen and so many people in between, you know, the fan paying and the artist receiving the money who, uh, who take a cut that, that that's uh, all that's left for them. And so what we're seeing is that more and more creators um, are choosing to be independent. That's also made possible because there are more tools out there uh, for them to produce content at a cheaper uh, cost. Um, platforms are competing to, uh, to, you know, bring revenue to creators, right? You know, the Patreons, the Spotify's, uh, even Facebook is getting into monetizing and, and being able to pay creators. Uh, and so more revenue is coming, which means that more startups like Reveal are looking to build tools that help creators manage their business and collect these revenues and, and make sure that their uh, businesses run more effectively which in turn, you know, makes uh, artists and creators be more successful, uh, which then changes the mindset around the fact that you can have a successful career as a creator. And that reinforces the whole uh, wheel, if you want, with more creators coming in, et cetera. 
Um, and so, so this whole trend is pushing uh, creators towards uh, choosing an independent route. Um, so that's, that's one, um, you know, sort of big uh, trend in the industry for, for which we believe that we're well-placed because we are offering tools for, for independent artists to manage their career. Um, another, another point is that I think we've, you know, we've been in the industry for a long time. And obviously my, my experience as a creator back in the day uh, allows us to very quickly understand uh, where the opportunities lie. And we're, we're you know, constantly uh, talking to dozens and dozens of creators to, to move as fast as they're moving. Uh, you know, we see them go into the Web3 space and realize they need tools for that uh, space and, and we're, we're there along with them. Uh, so I think having that proximity with the independent uh, sort of creator community uh, allows us to be very much in tune with their needs and to, and to move uh, as quickly as they are. Absolutely. And so you mentioned the kind of uh, you're now embracing the, this this uh, move to Web3, but uh, that was not your original vision, was it? Well, um, actually, my co-founder and I had a had a previous idea that we had worked on back in uh, in 2018, which was uh, blockchain, uh, you know, focused. And the idea back in the day was, oh, well, let's put copyright ownership data into smart contracts so that we can automate royalty redistributions. We you know, hit a couple of walls, which were that uh, creators were not generating revenue on chain, right? Um, and, and trying to convince the Spotify's and the YouTube's that they needed to uh, pay out royalties in, you know, on the blockchain in crypto was, was a really hard sell. Um, and so, so that initial idea, which was called MediaWrite, uh, we had to we had to put that sort of uh, you know to bed. But we're sort of coming back to this now. Um, you know, the initial direction for Reveal was really around automating paperwork, and then we realized that there were a lot of sort of backend administrative tasks that uh, could also be automated, including royalty splits, and now including royalty. Uh, processing, uh, you know, in the Web3 environment. So it's, it's been sort of a, a, an interesting loop back to a, an idea that we've had a, a while ago. Obviously, the execution is very different today because of the platform that we've already built that allows creators to mm -hmm. establish those splits and invite their collaborators and, and do that paperwork, which is uh, very much sort of a prerequisite to being able to automate the splits. This is super fascinating as well. Now, also seeing that uh, in what now you mentioned a long time ago, but it's actually uh, four years, even less than that. No, you, you tried one project and the timing was not right for mm -hmm. a blockchain based, but uh, yeah, less than four years later, the time is indeed right. So you yeah. went to something else and went back just because, uh, you know, in, uh, those things changed so quickly that you were able to as well explore it and and get back to it, which I think is fantastic as well in terms of entrepreneurship and the ability to, to change uh, once, but then also to get back to something once you realize that uh, uh, the situation was different. Was it a more market pool? So were actually creators asking you somehow to get onto Web3 or did you just spot the opportunity now and jump on it? Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a bit of both. I mean, I've been following the, you know, the NFT uh, space for um, 
pretty much for this entire year since early 2021. Um, and what we realized is that as more music creators were getting interested in the space, um, we were getting more requests for, for that type of, of service. And so, um, you know, the NFTs really blew up early 2021 around what's called these PFPs, right? Which are mainly like profile pick type of yeah. NFTs, uh, board apes and crypto punks and yeah. all of that. But now we're seeing many more types of, of assets being put on chain, you know, um, audio content, video content. Um, and, and as we see these new types of, of media uh, come on chain, um, there, there are new dynamics around it. You know, it's very rare that there's only one creator to a song. Uh, you know, even if they wrote the music alone and produced it alone, there's usually still like an engineer um, and, you know, and, and maybe a producer. Uh, but on average, what we see is that there are actually between four and five collaborators on average per song. And so, um, so you start having a new need for automating these royalties when you see these new types of media, which are more collaborative in a way than, than maybe a simple um, design. Um, and so, so that has brought in a new need that uh, creators came, came to us with. Uh, so it's been, I think, a, a, a bit of both, but we, you know, we always make sure that we validate these ideas before we put too much effort into it. Um, so there's been a lot of, of you know, understanding that, uh, that uh, specific environment and what are the needs of creators around it. And based on this and based on your personal and then as well now professional experience, how do you see the, the, the future evolution now of the, of the creator economy? Now, do you think there will be a convergence between what is more, let's say, traditional um, platforms versus uh, the Web3? Or how, what, what's your forecast? I think, um, you know, there are so many potential routes for which this could go. Um, and I think they're also very dependent on the type of, of media. Uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, for uh, traditional um, visual artists, uh, painters or graphic designers, et cetera, the, the business model has not changed fundamentally, right? As a painter, you were used to selling uh, your, your artwork and, and sort of having a price and you receive the proceeds of that sale upfront. And then, you know, that art piece might be resold at a higher price, uh, but you were never really involved in, in that process. Now in Web3, these types of creators can, can collect royalties each time the, the art is resold. So there's a slight shift in the business model, but most of the income is still generated at the first sale. Now, what's interesting in, in music, for instance, is that music has been very different. You would put out music, not get paid and slowly as it's consumed and played and streamed, you would be collecting royalties. Now, what Web3 enables is to build different business models around music. You can tokenize the future income of a song and sell it to fans before you've actually released the song, meaning you capture some of the value right before the release or at the moment of the release. Um, but you can also decide to sell a song in the form of an NFT and sell all the rights with it so that the buyer of that NFT can then commercialize the song and, and receive the proceeds, which is bringing it closer to the 
sort of traditional art space, yep. right? And so, so I think that's one of the really fascinating elements of it is that there is an opportunity to rethink how we're selling music, for instance, or, or potentially even video content. And, um, and what are the, you know, sort of token mechanics that we want to put in place around that. Um, and that's leading to a whole potential for maybe revaluing music. What's been, you know, very interesting to me over the past sort of two decades um, in the music industry is sort of how music has been valued, right? As it's gone into the digital realm, initially music sort of lost a lot of its value because we became accustomed to illegal downloads for which we wouldn't want to pay. And then through the uh, utility that was bringing, for instance, Spotify or streaming platforms, we decided to, to be okay to pay for a subscription so that we could access a lot of music. But the, but the idea that a single song has value was still lost in that. And I think Web3 brings that potential back. Um, so, so I'm excited about, uh, you know, how artists are experimenting around that. Are you seeing as well a, um, either, I mean, you, you mentioned about, you know, the change in terms of how music is sold and, and in a way as well produced, but what about the other side? So consumption, mm-hmm. um, and what, you know, the, uh, considering all the new metaverses or however you want to call it, no. Uh, digital spaces where people can actually consume music. Now we've seen uh, concerts on Fortnite, uh, yeah. etc. We've seen very recently now uh, as well new platforms being built to exchange NFTs between uh, multiple uh, different uh, online worlds. Uh, do you see an evolution in terms of how music is consumed uh, in that direction, or music or video or in general uh, content? Yeah, I think you know, I, I think the obviously the means in which we're consuming music are, are changing, right? And, and you mentioned these sort of metaverse concerts, um, but they're still concerts, right? They're still performances. Um, and so, so I think it, it'll remain that music is consumed either in, in, a, in a sort of quote unquote live performance, whether that's in, in real life or you know, in, in the metaverse. Um, either live performance or sort of pre-recorded performance, right? I don't think think that's gonna change so much. I think one of the new possibilities is for music to become more interactive. And we're seeing some artists experiment around this, um, like for instance, releasing a a collection of NFTs where every NFT is a a computer-generated version of the same song with different uh, layers of instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so each person that buys an NFT has actually a unique version of that song. Uh, and you could push that further and say, well, depending in which environment you're in, maybe the song changes, right? And is, uh, you know, if you're listening to it in a, uh, maybe in a game where there's a lot of action, uh, you know, the drums will be louder yeah. uh, and more bass. And if you're listening to it uh, in an you know, other environment, which is more peaceful, it'll be more acoustic. Um, you know, that, that's something I think uh, we might go towards, uh, which, which could, be, uh, you know, could be fascinating in terms of how music actually adapts to the environment we're in. That's extremely exciting to see no? what, uh, what and where this, this will all go. And 
I think that we could continue this conversation for a lot of time, but uh, I'd like to, to move as well to, to a few other things I want to ask you. Sure. One is keeping uh, on reveal. Um, what's your dream? Now, if I have to ask you, like, where do you want to see you and your company now in, in let's say, five years from now? Yeah, I think, uh, the, you know, our vision is to, is to be able to empower a million creators to run their business uh, effectively, right? And, and make sure that uh, their rights are being protected and that they're getting paid properly and, uh, and empower them to have a, a career as, as independent creators. Uh, so that's, that's really our, you know, our, our goal and, and our vision for, for Reveal. I think that's amazing. And I think it's fantastic that you want to you know, help uh, other people do what is their, 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 actually their main task, right? You're saying, hey, right. you're a creator, focus on that. We take care of everything else. So you have more time and you can actually profit more from what you're doing, no? I think it, overall, it, these sorts are... Yeah, no, it's exactly that. You know, um, I, I look back at the days where, where I was a musician and I, I remember having to spend a lot of my time doing non-music related things, right? I would have preferred to be, you know, practicing on the guitar or jamming with my friends or writing music or producing whatever. Um, but, I, but I was, you know, looking up contracts and registering stuff and doing accounting. And, and what we realized is that, you know, creators are are good at creating, creating but they yeah. you know most of them um don't study business or law and and don't want to be dealing with these types of tasks so uh that's why we're building reveal is to to allow them to focus on what they're good at i think it's fantastic really you know and uh the, the more we can empower people to do what they want uh i think the, the better it would be for everybody so i'd like now to move the conversation to the closing part of the uh, of the podcast and it's a bit more uh, rapid fire question so i'm going to ask you a few questions and then no just a quick answer uh, to get to know you as well a little bit better as a as a person and as an entrepreneur first one i always like to to ask my guests is um which book are you currently reading mm, yeah i'm reading a uh, promised land by uh, barack obama oh, okay interesting <laughs> yeah amazing amazing view into how um how that man you know thinks and and what he was thinking and how he manages the situation during his campaign and his first term fascinating yeah i heard heard a lot about it still uh still on the on the to-do list but <laughs> good <laughs> to hear that uh, it's a it's a positive feedback um back to the entrepreneurship topic uh what's a startup you think it's very interesting of course beyond uh reveal yeah, um, operating. No, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I have a, a friend that I met at, at UC Berkeley, uh, Cristal Rojo, who uh, is the founder of a startup called Cody. And I think what they're doing is really interesting. They're, they're um, uh, building a platform to enable hyper-local um, sort of hybrid workspaces. Um, and the way they explain it is for people who don't want to work from home but also don't want to have to commute all the way to an office. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is a, a really fascinating time for that, where a lot of people have been working from home for two yeah. years and are getting really sick about it, uh, but don't necessarily feel comfortable going back to these offices. So these hybrid places are really interesting. So I, I, would, I would mention Cody uh, for that. And do they, uh, just as a follow-up question, do they actually set up the, the space? So does it work uh, sort of as a co-working uh format 
Yeah, it's sort of these mini co-working uh, spaces. Uh, so they stay quite intimate. Uh, you're not in a big, you know, sort of office space. Um, I think they initially started with um, with actually people opening their homes as co-working spaces. Yeah. So it was always sort of limited to, you know, maybe a maximum of, of 10 people or so. And you meet people from your neighborhood. Um, and so it has more of that sort of community-led uh, environment. Definitely also, no, one of the, the core topics now with the uh, kind of hopefully post-pandemic scenario, then uh, no, new things are, uh, are happening and as well, no, habits are changing. Absolutely. Linked to this and as well to, to, to what you are doing, if you had to, to give an advice to a new entrepreneur uh, wanting to start a company now, uh, regardless of prior expertise, etc., Mm -hmm. what do you think it's an interesting either industry or trend that you think people should pick up? Yeah, I, I would really look at uh, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, they're a new way to organize uh, workforce and governance. Um, and we're seeing we're seeing DAOs pop up in, in really a, a variety of different places. There are, are DAOs who are, you know, mimicking what a record label would do. Um, there are DAOs that are basically investment funds. There are DAOs that are focusing on outsourcing research. Um, so, so you can really go in, in many directions and it's really a way to um, engage the community into the efforts of, of you know, that organization. Uh, and I think I think it's a fascinating way to uh, empower, um, you know, sort of a, a community of workers, uh, people who share the same vision, um, but also of rewarding them uh, when they contribute to to the mission of that organization. Yeah, really taking many of the middlemen out no, of the equation and, yeah. and really allowing, in a way, people to, again, focus on what they want to do and not to lot of passing papers from one side to the other yeah yeah exactly and and really uh you know there's an ownership component built in right where you're not just an employee you're actually a, you know sort of a, an owner of, of the organization and therefore have decision uh you know power as well definitely so uh, also very curious to see what what will happen in that uh, in that space yeah more about you as a as an entrepreneur, as a manager as well, no? uh, one thing I'd like to hear is if there is any advice you oftentimes give to people you work with, but you do not follow yourself. <laughs> um, I, th <laughs> I think one that I, I try to follow, um, but is, is not always easy as a founder, is the idea that you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Um, and the idea to, uh, to take time for yourself uh, to, you know, to just, you know, re rejuvenate every now and then and, um, and, and make sure you maintain that form of balance um, is, is something that I, I try to, uh, you know, to share with, with people and, and, and uh, uh, allow them to do, although I don't always allow myself to do it as much as I would like to. Um, and, you know, I think that part of it is goes in waves and it's part of the of the you know, experience of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's uh, all, you know, all consuming. Um, but I think it is important to remember that it is a marathon and that, 
you have to manage your energy to be effective in, in the long term. I think this, this is something that really comes up a lot when talking to entrepreneurs now, the energy management and, yeah. and somehow being able to, to keep the, the drive and focus, but as well, don't deplete uh, one uh, completely. It's, it's very difficult to achieve as, as a balance. Absolutely. And then my last question for you is, what has been your biggest mistake as an entrepreneur? Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of them um, has been to underestimate the speed at which um, innovation is adopted. Um, I think when, you know, when you're operating at the forefront of a technology um, or of a specific, you know, business or social innovation, um, it, it just takes so much longer uh, for people to buy in and to get comfortable yep. with change than, than one would hope. And I think, you know, part of, part of my nature is that I'm very optimistic. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. And, um, and sometimes that optimism um, can, you know, tr trick our, our mind a little bit in thinking that uh, some of these innovations can be adopted quicker than, than we would like it. And I think that's true both at a macro level in terms of an industry adopting, a, you know, a new uh, sort of tech architecture, um, as well as it is at a micro level in terms of a business being willing to try out a new solution. Um, and so, you know, just um, there, there have been situations in which I've, I've, I've uh, definitely thought uh, our roadmap would would uh, move faster than than it did in part because of those challenges of of managing change and finding the people who are willing to change quicker um yeah so i'll go i'll go, I'll go with that okay so really kind of no uh, and again this is something i hear from from many entrepreneurs probably key characteristic as well no so being uh, so much towards the edge of innovation and then uh, you just kind of assume that everybody is, is in a similar uh, state of mind, whereas uh, most people are not. And so there is oftentimes this, this delay, but as well, sometimes when then after a while, maybe in your case could be an example, no? When, when technology then do pick up, uh, then if you're, if you've already been there, at least no mentally, then can help you really pick the opportunity and, uh, and leverage it. So. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and I think, you know, it, you know, that has, that does have an upside because as, as being early, you have the time to, you know, to fully understand all the potential that comes along with it. And therefore, once, you know, companies are willing to, to work with you, um, there is, there's a lot of value that you can provide to them because of all that sort of work that has been done ahead of time. I think what's, you know, in my experience, what is challenging is to manage these expectations to make sure that the business can hit the milestones that it needs to hit uh, in order to, to stay alive, right? Um, whether it's generating revenue or being able to raise uh, venture capital, um, you know, you need to have realistic expectations. And, and typically around, you know, the first uh, idea that, that we spoke about were with, with MediaWrite, where we were looking at leveraging blockchain for royalty redistributions back in, in 2018. You know, I think we at that time were a bit uh, over optimistic 
around how quickly we could get some players to to test this technology and actually run royalties on the blockchain. Um, and that that you know sort of put us into into a rough spot in terms of being able to hit the milestones that we thought we could, right? So um, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, something that I <laughs> I look back at and and try to remind myself of to to stay really realistic around around uh, our roadmap and 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 the milestones we can hit. Fantastic, um, Adrian. Thank you so so much for uh, the inspiring story for sharing with us. Uh, your vision as well and for uh, the job you're doing and the uh, all the creators you're helping and will help in the future so well, Davide, thank you very much pleasure. yeah it was a pleasure Davide thanks so much thank you very much all the best moving forward goodbye ciao bye if you still want to learn more remember you can register on our platform dobetter.asade.edu that was all for today until next time thank you Do better.